live and pre-recorded. This is the Red Ticket Blues Podcast. Brian Buckley here as always. You knew that. That's why you listen. That's why you're here. That's why you're in taking all this in right now. It is being re- this, not it. It is a podcast. It is this. Come on. This is being recorded on March 30th, 2015 to hit the internet on the 31st of March for your listening pleasure. How's everyone doing? lot to talk about today, a lot to talk about. Not sure if we're going to have enough time. It's my podcast. There's plenty of time. I will go on forever and ever and ever because I do what I want. But you know that too. There's basketball. There's college basketball. There is the Final Four. We are here. There are two bickering assholes in Boston. Very unlikable. Names, David Ortiz. The other, Dan Shaughnessy. That's always interesting. They can beat the hell out of each other. We'll sit back and enjoy every second of it. We can, we'll discuss the, well, we'll discuss more of the tournament, not just uh, the final four teams. We'll discuss what's going on, what happened, why I think the things I do. Not sure if there's not going to be a lot of stuff to back that up. Could be just ranting, raving, opinions that are awful. But you've come to use, get used to that as a staple on the Red Ticket Blues podcast. Did I say this was the Red Ticket Blues podcast, by the way? You can follow me at BrianBuck13. And you could also listen and subscribe to the show at on iTunes, YouTube, and TuneIn Radio, where, I mean, those are all great venues. I can't stress it enough. That's where you get the knowledge. That's where you get to hear me tell you everything. Okay. And we'll also talk about the NFL and how they're, 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 they're disciplining people. Well, some people, not all people. I guess they pick and choose who they discipline and for what reasons and so on and so forth. Just a walking contradiction that the NFL is at all times. <laughs> the NFL we've come to grow to love. But we start with the obvious. We start with the NCAA tournament, and we have four teams left. We have the University of Kentucky, which was a foregone conclusion. Well, not so fast. Notre Dame gave them a great game, but Kentucky is in Indianapolis where everyone expected them to be. And by the way, they're undefeated. Have you heard? Can you go on ESPN and not hear that? Hear all about how they're undefeated? It's a big story. I understand. So I, actually, I can't knock ESPN there. That's news. First team in 26 years to possibly go undefeated. We will discuss... Well, let's get to... There are three other teams. Let's not anoint them yet, Brian. There's Michigan State, the number seven seed, who a lot of people didn't expect to be there. And a lot of people didn't expect it to be Michigan State and Louisville. A lot of people... Some people even thought Louisville would be out in the first round. Well... That one person being the almighty, all-knowing expert on everything, Michael Patrick Francesa. Mike, tell us how it's going to go. I will probably go against Louisville in the first round. UC Irvine. You, you, know, you know one thing about UC Irvine? Listen, Seven foot six. Yeah, kids. they're not any good. But I wish there was a different team there. But my point right. is, I just think Louisville's awful. I think okay. they, I think this is Rick's worst team in a long time. Now, That's classic Pope right there. Classic, classic Pope. There's also Duke University. Uh, another number one seed who, well, they basically, t- I guess it was it was close with Gonzaga there yesterday on Saturday when they defeated them. But eventually, uh, excuse me, they, they, they ran away with it, pulled away, and they'll be facing Michigan State in matchup on Saturday. Kentucky, they will face Wisconsin, a team that went toe-to-toe with Arizona, a rematch of last year's Elite Eight, and Sam Decker and Frank Kaminsky, I mean, 27 points for Decker, 29 for Kaminsky. I mean, Decker, he, what the, he looked great. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, he has improved 
this year. Every year he continues to improve. He's a junior this year. I'm not sure if he's going pro. You probably think he may. He's a big guy. Still needs to put on some weight. But, man, he he really... That was a coming out party. Not, not that we didn't know who he was, but maybe to the casual basketball fan. That was quite a performance against Arizona. And they're going to face off against Kentucky. So that should be interesting. We will... Uh, Let's let's see. Where do, where do we start with this? Where do we start? I guess we start with, well, let's go back to Kentucky just demolishing West Virginia. Uh, off the shit-talking from the freshman Daxter Miles of West Virginia saying that he predicted that they would beat Kentucky. And that was, I feel bad for the guy. Because Kentucky killed them 78-39. to 78-39. to 39. That's almost 40 points. That's 39 through my powers yes 39 so Daxter Miles unfortunately you think about it this guy's a stupid freshman saying dumb things he's going to be known for the rest of his life for making that statement the chances are he doesn't play pro ball or at least in the NBA and you know what people are going to remember Daxter Miles oh yeah he's that guy that said that stuff and then they found him in a bathroom stall hiding from the media (sighs) that's why you gotta watch your mouth man you gotta watch your mouth you gotta watch your tweets it's oh man that guy's going to be paying for it for the rest of his life and it's not fair but neither is life so what are you going to do but they took care of them and I guess I'm sort of spoiling everything by going to the best game of the weekend when Notre Dame and Kentucky played on Saturday I mean that was a basketball game as opposed to the other ones that weren't basketball games I mean that went back and forth back and forth and I honestly thought Notre Dame had a chance Kentucky had not played a team like that before they had never played a team like Notre Dame, who the problem with Notre Dame is why well, they couldn't they, they play a uh, they don't play a lot of guys, they play seven guys, and they were able to hit their shots, but and, and tough defense on Kentucky, but they kept going back to the well and Carl Anthony Townsend. I mean that guy, he has emerged as probably the number one pick in the draft, in this upcoming draft. He, he may go back to school. He may. He's really into school, I heard. No, he's not. He's going pro. I, I Come on. He's a Kentucky player. He's insane. He's a large man who can just back you down and do that simple little jump hook over and over and over again. He didn't... He didn't... How many points did he score in the second half? I don't have that in front of me exactly, but I mean, he was... It, it was almost an automatic. Notre Dame could not... They said, you know what? We're going to guard from the three-pointers. We're not going to double-team on Towns, and they just let him go at it, and it, it it worked for Kentucky, and it nearly worked for Notre Dame. Notre Dame had a chance with six points, six points, six seconds left to take the length of the floor, and Jerry Grant maybe hit that three to get that 69-68 win, but it was 68-66 as the shot was too long. Notre Dame, I'm not really sure. Now, I bring up Mike Francesa again, and I've heard other people say this, that they used a costly timeout with 33 seconds. Notre Dame did. And I don't know why. You're going up against a team in Kentucky. Why would you use your final timeout? You have to assume almost. And I hate assuming, especially in a basketball game. But that you, there's a good chance you could be down in the final seconds against Kentucky. Now, six, six seconds with a timeout, you're still going to have to take it the length of the floor. Understood. But... Wouldn't you rather have a set up a better play than Jerry Grant just running down the sidelines and forcing a three in the corner? I think maybe some sort of play to set up. I I, I don't know what exactly 
uh, Mike Bray's terminology was there, but unfortunately, Notre Dame down the down the stretch in the game, they just they played such a great game, such an organized game, and then those last five six possessions were so wild and and so uncharacteristic of the rest of the game. It was a lot of hero ball, but I, I, I you're rooting for Notre Dame there if if you're human. Because if you're rooting for Kentucky, then, well, you're either a homer or you're a Kentucky fan. Well, aren't those the same too? No. Let, let's get this straight. Let's go back. Bandwagon jumper or a Kentucky fan. There we go. But Kentucky does what they do. They win 38 times. They've done it. So John Calipari, and it, with the heartfelt John Calipari, and, and I'll say this about John Calipari. Some may accuse me of being jealous of a guy who has basically perfected the one-and-done system and has controlled his program to to just overrule that program better than any other program in the United States. Some may call it jealousy. Some may say, yeah, some may call it jealousy. They may say other things too, but that's the main thing. They're, they're, Calipari, they're, there's, there's scum in, in college basketball, college sports. There are coaches that will sell their mother's soul for a four-star recruit to possibly get that coach a bigger contract or even a better job. It is these one of these sleaziest businesses behind pimping or prostitution, which <laughs> Calipari's involved with that too, the, the prostitution with Marcus Camby. The pimps were chasing him all the way to the NBA. Um, oh, that's right. That Final Four doesn't exist. But, I mean, they don't care about Academics, just like every other coach, no no coaches care about academics. They care about athletics. I mean, do you think a guy cares about an SAT score or, or anything? But oh, Calipari doesn't care about that either. That's right. Somebody took Derrick Rose's SATs for him. Oh, yeah, he doesn't care about that. That's right. But you know what he does care about? You know what he does care about? Other than being condescending towards Notre Dame, is acting as if they didn't belong in the game. He cares about the parents the parents of the recruits for Kentucky I tell you what, when I haven't done this I want to thank the parents of these young people for allowing this to happen you know there, there's slime and then there's John Calipari slime uh, I, I, I even after he's winning the game you do have to give him credit in this sense when he says that sort of stuff it sounds shallow and with Calipari's record, it sounds real grimy. But at the same time, he's recruiting. He's sending that out to kids, saying, kids, and more importantly, kids' parents, saying, you know what? That guy wins games. He gets kids in the NBA, and you know what? He respects the parents, the job that maybe other coaches don't care about. He respects me. The guy is good at what he does. I can never take that away from him. He may not be the best X and O coach in the world. The motivator and recruiter he is. The way that he can get these egos onto that team in Lexington. And when do you ever hear anything bad about that program? About, about, anytime you hear something bad about John Calipari, it's him. Rarely is it the players. Well, if, if it's his undoing. I'm not even being sarcastic right now. But when do you ever hear issues come out of Kentucky? Whenever do you hear beefs coming out of Kentucky? When you, or police blotters, students, uh, and, and, and academics. He's done something there. The only thing issues I've ever seen is maybe a pouting Aaron Harrison on the sidelines, but I mean, that may may just be his demeanor. So, 
say what you want about Calipari. I have my opinions, and I'm not going to completely denounce the guy, but uh, you have to give credit where credit's due, and they are 38-0, and they will take on Wisconsin. Wisconsin took care of Arizona in a game that you never really thought Arizona had a chance in. Not had a chance. They were in the game. But down the stretch, I think when you have two guys just dominating, especially the way Decker was, and he hit that three from the corner that went straight up like a spaceship coming out of Cape Canaveral and then plops right down in the hoop. And he walked back with that shit-talking look on his face like, yeah, yeah, I've been here. I did this. And how often do you see that out of a white guy? I mean, and it's not because of the demeanor. Just white guys don't hit big shots like that. So it was good to see, actually. Uh We'll see. He's been improving. I mean, they've said it several times on uh, during the games that he's gone to the LeBron James skills camp this this uh, this off season. So maybe that will propel him into the NBA this season. Frank Kaminsky just continues to get better and better. This was sort of his coming out party last year when the world really started to hear about Frank Kaminsky. He had twenty nine points. Now, they're going to take on a Kentucky team, and Kentucky is only favored, only, I say, by five points. It, this is the first game in the NCAA tournament that it is in single digits that Kentucky is favored by. That's pretty remarkable when you think about it. It took getting to the Final Four where you had a single game being favored against. Single points. Uh, Notre Dame covered, by the way. Obviously, it was two points. Come on, Brian, get with it. Uh, sometimes I just got to yell at myself. In the other game, we had Louisville versus MSU. Michigan State. That is that is the team. Uh, Louisville. Um, God, I I don't really know what to say about this game. This was the game, the, the, the games with no real superstars in them. You just sort of, two grinded out teams. In Michigan State, I mean... Again, you have to give Tom Tom Izzo credit. They're twenty seven and eleven this year. They're number seven seed, and Michigan State has one top ninety recruit on that team. One. Think about that when you have the University of Kentucky's in the world. John Calipari gets all of the blue chippers you could possibly imagine. The McDonald's All Americans from here is the far as the eye can see. Michigan State has one top ninety recruit. That being Brendan Dawson. The guy is good. The guy is good at what he does. And you can, and obviously with the pictures after the game, the, the, the players love him. They're all over him, you know, playing with his hair, giving him kisses. Yeah, what kids do. Uh, do, do adults kiss men? Is that a normal thing in college? Anyways, uh, where am I going with this? Towards the end of the game there, it went into overtime. Louisville and Michigan State, nobody could hit a free throw. That was a disgusting display of uh, free throw shooting right there. That was how kids don't do this. Neither team could. That game would have been long over before overtime if any of them could hit a free throw. But Michigan State prevails and they'll take on a Duke team which took care of Gonzaga and well the first they they beat uh Duke took care of Utah and I remember watching the game before the Kentucky West Virginia game and Jim Nance, I mean, he, he didn't give Utah a shot. He was very excited to see uh, 
certain matchups that would suggest that Duke was going to win the game before the game had even started. So, I mean, classic Jim Nance. Well, I don't know if it's classic, but for all the nice the nice guy routine he does, he really does have his favorites. And Duke was certainly one of them, as he also said the same thing in 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 the Gonzaga game, which Duke eventually ended up winning. So Nance does look like he knows what he's talking about. He's been doing it a long time. He said, I can't wait to interview Jaleel Okafor's father next week. This is in the middle of the Gonzaga-Duke game, basically insinuating it's going to be a long week of interviews for the Final Four that Duke will be in. So, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. I'm surprised Gonzaga and Utah even, even played when you're predicting the future like that. But Gonzaga and Duke was an interesting game. Justice Winslow, the freshman, now, the guy continues to put up big numbers. I, I think he's a great player and has a lot of potential. You start to hear announcers in the internet talk about how this guy was a top pick. This guy could be one of the top picks in the draft, and I didn't see it. I said, really? I mean, he's good. He's got a lot of potential. He's young. He's, he's a freshman. But there, there I went. I went to NBADraft.net. Top five, number five, Justice Winslow. So, like many times, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I am not a scout. I'm a podcaster, damn it. So, just looking at some text messages here about my friend. He loves McDonald's. Really, ex- My friend is really excited. My friend Russ is really excited about the McDonald's possibly doing the all-day breakfast, which is just a recipe for gluttonous across the world. I don't know if it's an actual global thing, but we don't need fat people getting fatter. Well, it's not my it's not my problem. I don't give a shit. Well, it kind of is my problem because then I pay taxes and then I have to pay for fat people and I don't want to pay for fat people. Being fat is a choice in most cases. There are people with gland issues and I get it. There's nothing you can really do about that. I don't want to pay for fat people. That's a choice you make. Don't cry to me when you're fat and can't do anything. Thousand pound woman. We were talking basketball, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so uh, Justice Winslow. And I'll tell you, Jaleel Okafor has been the number one consensus pick all year long. Who I have watched plenty of Duke games. I'm still waiting to see that game where he completely wows me. He seems lazy and disinterested. He plays no defense. He does have some great moves every once in a while. Quick guard moves for a center going up and under that basket. But I'm still waiting for that game when he, he wows me. I don't get it. Tyus Jones loves shooting the ball. That guy, the guard, Tyus Jones for Duke, he he loves shooting the ball at any time. Uh, never met a shot he didn't like. Cliche. From Gonzaga, I don't know. I mean, they played hard. I, there's really not much I can say there. Uh, they missed a lot of bunnies, a lot of close shots. It was a good, good game right until about six minutes left, and then Duke really started to pull away. Gonzaga... I just don't think they could match up well. And yeah, Duke ended up winning it. Uh, so now it's Duke and Michigan State, and that is also a five-point game with Duke being favored. So what do we have? We have a week. We have a week of pontificating perfection for Kentucky. The other three teams will most likely be an afterthought. Boy, this podcast is going long. I said it was going to be long. We're almost at 19 minutes already. So... I think basically Wisconsin versus Kentucky is the final. I don't think Duke has a chance. 
Duke or Michigan State, I should say. I don't want to be Nance here. Put teams in the finals when they haven't even gotten there yet. But I don't know. I don't think either of them have a chance of beating uh, Kentucky. And so we'll have to see. It should be Towns versus Kaminsky is going to be an intriguing matchup. Very intriguing. Uh, I think that's I, that is going to be the biggest the biggest deal there, the biggest deal, the biggest matchup, the big key to the game. So we'll see if Kentucky can complete the perfect season. And I'd just like to remind everyone, as a college basketball fan, I have a favorite team, the University of Connecticut. And this year was not a year to hang my hat on, or the team to hang its hat on. That hat would fall if it was attempted to be hung. But I would like to remember. I would like everyone listening to remember the last time that Kentucky lost a game. Tap into the hands of Boatwright with five seconds, and this most improbable tournament run comes to an end with a UConn championship. The Huskies once again are in basketball heaven. Ah, yes. 2013, they didn't make the tournament. In 2012, in 2013, they made the NIT, which we're all very proud of. UConn couldn't even win a game in it this year. In 2013, they made the NIT. In 2012, they won the whole damn thing. To be commended. John Calipari's first. And it has not been vacated. Yet. 2011, they lost that year. It was against... Who did they lose to? It's a one-point win. The basket does count. Kentucky falls one point short. And UConn has done it again. So yes, that's right. Kentucky is undefeated in the NCAA tournament back to 2010. Unless you're counting the University of Connecticut, which has beaten them twice. So, as someone who's not a fan of John Calipari, I at least do have that in my back pocket. As a fan, okay, I'm, I'm not an actual coach or a player. As a fan, I do have that in my back pocket. So, there's not much to take away from this UConn season other than it is over mercifully, and we move on. Speaking of moving on, we move on to the next subject, and I want to talk about what's going on in Boston right now. For whatever reason, every once in a while, David Ortiz, designated hitter for the Boston Red Sox, has to remind us all that he did not do steroids. He was accused in 2009 of being part of the list that was leaked. Uh, the, the list of uh, players that had tested positive for PEDs that was supposed to be anonymous, but three names actually have been leaked from that, that being Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez, and David Ortiz. Now, David has said that he did not do it. He's been quite adamant throughout the years that he has not done it Uh never taken steroids that's not in his dna and he has made subtle uh comments in the in those defenses that you know uh, people take supplements blah 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 blah. i never knew took steroids blah, blah, blah all different terminology now in this article he wrote in the player's tribune the Derek jeter athlete Website where it's almost like a diary for players so they don't have to be able to deal with the media and actually answer tough questions. They can just say whatever they want. Now, what Ortiz has said in here that he never knowingly took steroids. Knowingly now. Knowingly took steroids is usually the first thing you say 
before the actual admission of steroids. And in the same article here, he took a lot of shots at Boston Globe writer Dan Shaughnessy. Now, Shaughnessy is someone who made a living on writing articles about the the Curse of the Bambino. And sort of one they won in 2004, he didn't really have, really have anything else to write about. But now what happened was in that same article, Ortiz came out and said, and the reporter with the red jury, Jerry Curl from the Boston Globe comes in the locker room and says, you're from the Dominican, you're older, you fit the profile of a steroid user, don't you think you're a prime suspect? Uh, Ortiz then claimed, I wanted to kill this guy, but can't react. That's what they want. They want you to get angry so they can bury you. So I just smiled at him and asked for his address. I'm reading this. Why do you want my address? He said, that being Shaughnessy. Ortiz, because I just got tested two days ago and I'll mail you the fucking results. His words. Now, at this point, I really think that... I really don't care. We all know. It's pretty pretty likely David Ortiz did steroids. But as we're learning, so did everyone else. And at this point, I don't even give a shit. It just stopped coming out and telling us that you, you didn't do steroids. It's almost like, yeah, we, we, we moved on. Oh, wait a minute. Man, maybe you did do it. You're planting a seed in everyone's head to just remind us that you were accused of doing steroids. Now, Shaughnessy could not sit there by him and all by his lonesome and not say anything. So he responded back and said about that altercation in the locker room telling him to mail him the results. Shaughnessy wrote, Actually, that's not how it went down. You gave thoughtful answers to hard questions. When the interview was over, I thank you. And you asked me about me being banned at Fenway. In quotations, the Francona book, which I co-authored, was on the bestseller, not a party starter with the Sox ownership. We had a laugh about it, and you took a selfie with me. Then you texted it to someone we both know. When you quickly got a text back from that individual, you came back to the clubhouse to share the response. I did not think you wanted to kill me, and I would not violate the trust of that private moment if, you, if not for you, your missive in the Players' Tribune. One of us must be misremembering. And if Shaughnessy, <laughs> classic uh, journalist, by using misremembering the Andy Pettit quote dealing with steroids. So just giving that extra poke at the end there to Ortiz. I could care less about both of these individuals. Ortiz is a great player. He's always going to have that steroid thing hanging over his head. And I think for good reason. He did steroids. Get over it. Like I said before, Shaughnessy is very easy to dislike too. So I think we're all going to sit back as a country and watch these two just bury each other, which is wonderful. It's no one loses. It's like if ISIS had an issue with Al Qaeda, they, they want to go to town, go to war boys. Go. Did I just compare a baseball player and a sports writer to two terrorist organizations? <laughs> I think I did. So, that's what we have going on with the Red Sox. That is a team that now they're they're starting catcher, possibly out for the year, Christian Vasquez. So they again they're they're I, I continue I've said this in several podcasts. I look at their pitching and it's just it's rough. Their offense is amazing. That the the pieces they've added in 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 Pablo Sandoval and Hanley Ramirez, that's great, but I don't know. We'll see how it goes going forward. In Yankee camp. Eh, typical Yankee stuff. CeCe Zabathia struggling. Mark Teixeira got hurt. So we'll see what happens going forward with that. Uh, you know, Teixeira's Teixeira. You have to expect it at this point that he's going to have at least... At this point, really, you have to expect he's going to be on the DL three, four, five times. Five times? 
Like, you never know. I mean, that's, that's insane to say, but I think it's quite possible. He got hit by a pitch. He seems to be fine, but I feel as if this audio is going to associate... I'm going to associate this audio with Mark Teixeira for the rest of the year, maybe the rest of his career, for as long as I do this podcast. If he... If his name is mentioned and it's not positive, I will be playing this clip because when you think Iron Man, you think Lou Gehrig, you think Pride of the Yankees, you have to think Mark Teixeira too, right? Is this what Mark Teixeira says every time he gets hurt doing his best Lou Gehrig impersonation? Is it three strikes, Doc? You want it straight? Sure, I do it straight. It's three strikes. But baseball is upon us. I know I keep saying I'm going to do a Major League Baseball preview. That should be coming soon. A lot of basketball to talk about this week, as you've already heard me say. Uh, What else? I wanted to talk a little bit about the NFL. And today was disciplinary day. The Falcons were fined $350,000, and they lose a draft pick over, I think that, was that a fifth? or sixth-round draft pick over fake noise inserted into the stadium. And their record at home sucks, too. So I, I, maybe they just don't have good players. That that may be it. Maybe Mike Smith is eternally just messing with the clock. And, uh, well, he is, not maybe. But maybe he just Mike Smith all of us there. I, I, I think Mike Smith was more of an issue for that team than possibly lack of crowd noise. The Browns were fine 2,000. and their GM was suspended, I believe, for four games for, I was going to say inappropriate text. Because usually when you hear text nowadays, it's encompassed by inappropriate. But I think, I don't know if they're inappropriate, if that's between the GM and the coach. But there were texts sent from the GM to the coach during the game, almost George Steinbrenner to Billy Martin-like with the clubhouse phone, the dugout phone phone telling him what to do. Uh, But there is one case that was lacking in regards to disciplinary. That is the Wells report. The, well, I, I don't want to use it. Fine. Deflate gate. And we still haven't had word about that. It is day 66 of deflate gate. And they're still investigating. Still investigating. This better be one hell of an investigation of footballs. I mean, what are they investigating? I mean, this is going to make the Warren report look like a political pamphlet hanging on your door. This thing is going to be big, big. So, I'm very look I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm not sure what else you want to talk about. Uh, I guess quickly we'll end it today with the with the NBA. Is it just me or is the NBA boring this this year? This is a boring year for the NBA. There's no juice. There's nothing going on. There I mean let's talk about stars. Kobe's out for the year. Kevin Durant's out for the year. The Knicks stink. The best player in the NBA, most likely, is Steph Curry, who is on a team that has never won anything, and they play in the West Coast. So it's, yes, the East Coast bias sort of comes into that. He doesn't get the same attention. I don't know. And then the top team in the East is Atlanta with no stars. Let's go back to the Knicks for a second. By the way, the New York Knicks lost their 60th game the other day. They are 14 and 60. 29 and a half games out of first place. Phil Jackson, not sure what's going on there. I He's under the hot seat already. No one expected a championship run this year, but 
60 losses, that's the worst in history for the New York Knicks. The worst in history for the New York Knicks. You better have one hell of a draft or one hell of an offseason. Not a lot of amazing free agents out there either. So, I don't know. I see very soon, very soon, Mr. Dolan putting his fingerprints all over something and just, it's going to say ruining it, but what the hell could he ruin even more? So, I don't know. And LeBron in Cleveland, I mean, he's in a new trio, but it's not nearly as villainous as the the Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh one. I don't know. It's just kind of boring, actually. Kevin Love is unhappy. I don't know what he expected to be. Uh, He's playing on the team with LeBron James. Apparently, he wants more of a role. He's Chris Bosh. I mean, he's Chris Bosh. That's his role with the Cavs, if you want to define the trio again. I don't know what to say. Why am I bothering with the NBA? We've got Final Four coming. I'm complaining about this shit. I think that's all the time we have for this week. And I want to thank you for listening. No, 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 no. no. Seriously, I want to really thank you. You want to thank me? Or or say you're welcome to me? It's at BrianBuck13 on Twitter. You can listen to the show on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and of course YouTube. And, And you know what? Subscribe. That's even better. That's even better. Even leave a review. What the hell? I don't care. Well, I do care. That's why I'm asking you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening as always. I will speak to you soon. I'm going to try to do two podcasts a week, so maybe you'll be hearing from me later on this week. You won't know unless you subscribe. But I'm blabbering at this point. I'm rambling. So what I want you to do, I want you to have a good day, a good night, and I'll talk to you later. I'm out of here.